3: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other than one to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you tell you why days like today happen, call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. All right, well, what do we think was going to happen? Did you expect to come in this morning and see a stimulus deal in Washington coupled with falling COVID cases? After today, where the Dow plunged 650 points, S&P plummeted at 1.86%, NASDAQ knows that 1.64%, and boy, it was ugly at one point. When you listen to the reasons people are given for this decline, I mean, frankly, they're dumber than a bag of hammers. Let's be realistic. Every day we hear about the stimulus talks, Speaker to Treasury Secretary, Treasury Secretary to Speaker. Even as we passed the deadline for a deal made by the Speaker a week ago, I wish they'd stop talking. Because at this point, all they're doing is creating false hope, and America doesn't want false hope. Both the Democrats and Republicans see no deal as a win for them politically, even if it's the rest of the country loses. Look, I'm confident we're going to get a stimulus package eventually. But you've got to stop betting that Congress is going to come to your rescue any minute now. There is no stimulus cavalry coming anytime soon, certainly not before the election. Don't be custard, little bighorn. Get a game plan, for heaven's sake. How about COVID-19? Look, we've been predicting this spike for months here. Why the heck do you think we started the mask competition at XPRIZE.org slash mask? We knew summer was a temporary reprieve. We knew it was get worse once the weather got colder and people went back indoors where most of the COVID is... And America market desperately needs a nationwide mask mandate. It's the most effective, least disruptive way to fight this virus. I hope the mass I have sponsored help make it happen. I totally understand. It seems like a terribly inefficient way to stop this thing. We don't have much, right? We don't have any contact tracing and social di- mass. But come on, it's not like we suddenly found out the pandemic's out of control. Those case numbers have been creeping higher for more than a month now. We know how this plays out because we just saw the same thing happen a few months ago. The only thing more incurable than COVID is the market's COVID-related optimism. For weeks now, I've been recommending the bull markets that have been created by an out-of-control pandemic without any stimulus. Day after day, though, I said you should wait for a pullback before you buy the COVID stocks till people realize that COVID's out of control we have no stimulus. Well, now it's happening. So rather than panicking, which never made anybody a dime, we're sticking to our guns and coming out here tonight and telling you to put the buying plan into action that we've been waiting for. Remember the COVID bull markets? There are a bunch of them. First, there's the bull market in 5G. Anyone who spent the weekend trying to adjust their fantasy lineup or watch Borat was sorely tested by slow internet speeds. That ends with 5G. Two, there's the bull market in digitization, broad term, but think anything that helps companies accelerate their move from on-premise, which in many cases is locked down, to the cloud. Three, we've got a bull market in hygiene. We don't have many ways to fight this virus, but cleanliness, pathetically, is one of them, but I'll take it. Four, we got a bull market in home renovation, both do-it-yourself and professional. These are the stocks, the companies that make the stay-at-home, work-at-home co- economy more bearable. It's the extension of a housing boom that's caused by a major exodus from the cities to the suburbs and even further out. Remember, though, the renovation trade is all about tools and paint, not home builders. Five, there's a bull market in all sorts of things involving cars. Thanks to the pandemic, mass transit, even ride sharing are viewed as unsafe. Easier to just get a car, especially if you've moved to the suburbs. Now, there are three big fears weighing on us. Getting sick, shutting the economy down, and the possibility of an election that doesn't get decided overnight. After 2016, you know what? I don't even want to hazard a guess about who's going to win the White House or the Senate this time around. I can't say that if the outcome is indecisive and it takes a week to find out who won, well, the market's going to go down, be another opportunity to go through these bull markets. But the other two fears, listen, every single bull market I just listed will work, even if COVID keeps spiking and we have to go back into lockdown. And I don't want a lockdown. We had a Dr. Faust on today. who was really brilliant. He was talking about we, we got the lockdown wrong. I mean, it's, it's the bars that cause problems, not the schools. Okay? Now, there are always objections that seem to invalidate the thesis. For instance, we know the home builders have run too much, and we've seen a bit of a slowdown in mortgage loans. So people are backing away from that group. We know the old school automakers face a unique set of challenges from Tesla and imports. As people are backing away from that on the first time of sell. And the hygiene stocks, well, they've run miraculously. I, I still like them, but they have run. Still, you can't just sit back and let the market come in without taking some cash off the sidelines and putting it to work when we've been negative. Discipline says it's time to gradually start buying the COVID winners. So given that almost every major tech company reports this week, let's tackle the decline in tech today because it was really, really vociferous. We will get to the others if the market keeps falling. As is often the case with this kind of sell-off, you can point to a proximate explanation that's clear, simple, and in this case, wrong. We got that this morning when SAP, the gigantic German software company, reported a massively disappointing court with even terrible guidance. I mean, horrendous. I mean, Going back to a couple of years, what's wrong? To listen to SAP, the digitization process has slowed, deals aren't getting done, and there's finally a cost to tech from this endless COVID nightmare. You know what? If you like football like I do, that's called a misdirection play. It's what happens when the quarterback fakes a run and then passes. You bid on the run if you sold the cloud stocks off this SAP news. These are some of the best pandemic plays out there, and they got slammed today. Remember, COVID has accelerated digitization, not turned it back like SAP was talking about. Now, there's a second problem. Apple reports Thursday, and a bunch of analysts previewed the quarter. They talked about how CEO Tim Cook has good visibility on the new iPhone and he could be very upbeat about his prospects, not to mention 5G. That's not how I see it. To me, there's simply no reason whatsoever for Tim Cook to give any predictions, maybe to please Wall Street, please. He's all about making the best possible product for Main Street and the customers will follow. He doesn't do hype. If you expect hype going into the quarter, you're going to be disappointed, which is why I wish the analysts wouldn't do that. Own Apple, don't trade it. Someone today on Twitter posted some horrible picture and said, Kramer is just ducking everything on Apple. And it's like... My wife is sick of hearing, of hearing me talk about Apple, okay? So, like, if that, if that's the stage that we've gotten to. So shut up. Anyway, I think you can start by picking up some of the most extraordinary stocks that have been dragged down by SAP's big quarter, when in reality, they're the reason for SAP's weakness. It, it, it's not that the cloud has slowed. It's that other companies are eating SAP's lunch. As, as it, and also, and this is really nuanced, but SAP's transitioning a client to the cloud. That customer doesn't spend as much on the cloud on SAP as it did before it was on the cloud. Now I like Salesforce. I was also surprised to see Oracle down 4% with his TikTok positive still alive. Well, I don't mention Oracle very positively that often. Oh, and if you can stomach it, why not stick with what works? Amazon reports on Thursday. Now, this stock at one point was down. OK, and uh, it looked like it was going to be one of those cases where it was going to roll over. And then it just stopped, pirouetted and started going up and actually finished higher. Do you know what kind of strength it takes to overcome today's gravitational pull? You know what that says? To me, it says that Amazon it could be the right place to be. Now, before you say, wait a second, Kramer, what kind of moron would buy anything after a day like today? I want you to consider this. The New York Times just reported that a privately held player who's very smart wants to acquire Dunkin' Brands. Some people thought the stock was already overextended coming into this morning, but I think the alleged buyer here, Inspire Brands, is very smart. I've watched as they bought Sonic and then snapped up Buffalo Wild Wings at very good prices. they got a phenomenal track record. What are they getting with Dunkin' Brands? How about a retailer that can take advantage of all the empty retail spaces been created by the pandemic how about a company that's put a huge amount of technology into the shores? How about a company that's surviving while so many of its more competitors will go under unless we get a stimulus package immediately? See, what did I tell you? People buying stocks based on including big companies on no stimulus. Lots of unfinished sellers and uninformed sellers in Duncan, one really smart buyer. Bottom line, get comfortable because this is going to be a rocky week. But with COVID raging and no stimulus in sight, we got the five bull markets here. 5G, digitization, hygiene, home renovation, and cars. We're going to be hounding and pounding, hounding and pounding these themes. We're not going to just, like, say, uh, oh, well, what are those themes? That's not the way we work on mad money, and we've been at this thing for a long time. You need to be disciplined. You need to start buying them in a weakness and it, that is unrelated or actually makes no sense whatsoever because it's good for these five bull markets. Jack in New York, Jack. Booyah, Jimbo! All right, buddy, what's up? Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. (laughs) Me and my family, uh, we love this show, and if it's okay, my daughters would like to say hello. Oh, what the heck, why not? Booyah! Booyah! Kids got horse sense like that. What's going on?
2: (laughs) Uh, My question today is in reference to Carnival. You always say they have three reasons to buy a stock. So in the spirit of Halloween, here's my three-headed monster approach. Uh, Number one, We will have stimulus even though it will be after the election. Number two, we have a treatment for COVID. We've restarted two key clinical trials, and other companies are getting ready to report their clinical results. And number three, by the dips. Today, Carnival gave back almost all of its gains from last week, and it is still down around 70% year-to-date. With all the pent-up cruising demand for 2021, is it time to buy Carnival?
3: Uh, I'm not against that. Uh, I do think that I like Norwegian because they've been able to raise more money. Uh, but I think that what you're taking and your seven year old daughter is taking is a long term view. And there's nothing the matter with a long term view, because I don't think a vaccine is all that far away. Let's go to Mohammed in Michigan. Mohammed. Booyah, Mr. Kramer, how are now you Now you're talking? Doing well. How about you, my friend? Good. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I want to tell you how much I love and respect your show. Ah, you're terrific. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd like your opinion on uh, Purple Innovation, PRPL. I mean,
4: over uh, this last week, it's down about 6.5%. Over the
2: last month, it's up about 31 percent, and over the last three months, about 57 percent. What do you think? Is there still upside potential? Well, you know,
3: this fits into my thesis of a housing in, you know, of materials that go into housing that are selling well, and I like it because, boy, the revenue projections are really good. Remember, the market can be fickle, but that has been a very good company, and thank you for those kind words, Gordon in Florida, Gordon. Booyah. How are you, Mr. Kramer? As I am doing well. Speaker. I am doing well, Gordon. How about you?
2: Excellent. Excellent. I first just want to thank you for all the wonderful advice you give the young and old investors alike. Thank you. Thank help you. for help us make money, and most of all, that help instruct us not to make unwise actions to lose money. That's uh, what you I, Thank so you. That is the right way. The the world. Thank you. Thank uh, you. My my stock that I would like uh, your comments on is uh, in device security, identity, online privacy, home, and family cyber safety. My stock is Norton LifeLock.
3: I like Norton LifeLock very much. It's a very large position for, as club members know, for ActionLearnsPlus.com, my travel trust. I believe it's going to be a big fourth quarter for these guys. I know the stock has done nothing. Sometimes you must be patient. But I think that's a good company. Don't forget, Vincent Pellet runs it. He's late of Logitech. What a winner that's been. They don't all start percolating at once, but I think that one's going to be terrific. Rocky week ahead, but there are five bull markets that are going to work right through this week, provided, get this, that we get no stimulus and COVID continues to rage. Remember to stay disciplined. Oh, man, tonight, Joe Biden declared climate change the number one issue facing humanity. So could it be time to plug into an alternative energy play like plug power ahead of the election. I know you care about that stock. I'm talking with the CEO. Plus, all more than the rails, the sector's been soaring. But is it full steam ahead or are some plays on the wrong side of the tracks? I'm going to bury some of the major players in the group. And in a sea of red, I spotted one stock that was able to end in the green today. Do not miss my sit down with my all-time utility favorite, AEP. And stay with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800
2: 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Resourceful small business owners know how to get value from the purchases they already make for their businesses each month. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits and features like four times membership rewards points that automatically adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. So you earn more where your business spends the most. Plus up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible business purchases at select shipping, food delivery, and retail subscription merchants. And with flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business and access to 24-7 support from a business card specialist, you can continue to run your business with confidence. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Enrollment required. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com businessgoldcard. Brought to you by Eden Vance, the symbol of advanced investing.
1: What's inside your ETF? With Eden Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at EdenVance.com CNBC. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at EdenVance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foreside Fund Services, LLC.
3: Tough tape today, but for months I've had to play the scold, telling you to stay away from all sorts of super speculative names, whether we're talking about electric vehicles or COVID vaccines or consumer space travel. Uh, Too many of these stocks simply aren't ready for prime time. But every now and then there's an exception, like Plug Power, the hydrogen fuel cell play. After years of skepticism, Plug Power has made me a believer. This is not some pie in the sky story that might have a product by 2024. Plug Power's already got a Big business selling hydrogen fuel cells for forklifts. The company's generating a lot of cash. There's an immense amount of public interest in fuel cells. A month ago, Plug Power held a very bullish, uh, one of those vertebral analyst meetings that sent the stock surging from 11 to 19 just two weeks. Since then, though, of course, the market's cooled off. In today's beatdown, the stocks come back to 14. But well, we've got to ask, could this be the opportunity? Let's take a closer look with Andy Marsh. He's the president and CEO of Plug Power. Get a better sense of how his company's doing and where it's headed. Mr. Marsh, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim, for having me. Andy, I still meet people who say, one, Kramer, I can't believe you believe in this plug power. And two, you used to call it the most speculative situation on earth. What changed? And I tell them that plug power changed. It's matured and you made some great acquisitions. Is that the right narrative? I
4: think that is the right narrative, Jim. It's been a I've been here a dozen years. It's been a struggle. But uh, the time has come. And I think you can talk to my customers, Amazon, Walmart, Home Depot. They'll tell you the time has come. And that's who I listen to.
3: Those are not trials. Tell people they're not trials. These are, these are uh, done really, literally in force. I mean, there is just, there's scale here.
4: Jim, we have over 35,000 units deployed. We are the largest user of liquid hydrogen in the United States. Uh, we and actually the world. So 15 percent of the liquid hydrogen in the U.S. actually goes
3: into plug powers products. We surpassed NASA last year. Now, you know, I was concerned after speaking with Wendy, who's a, a good partner, that uh, the costs may be too high for green fuel. How do we get that to scale lower?
4: So Jim, when I look at it, it really comes down to the cost of renewables. And we're competitive with what you call gray hydrogen coming from fossil fuels below four cents a kilowatt hour when you're generating using liquid hydrogen. And green liquid hydrogen is the key for vehicle deployments.
3: Now, I have been telling people that if you get President Biden and then he wants, if he says solar, what he really should be thinking is not just giant fields of solar panels. He should be thinking about alternatives to current use. Alternatives to combustion engines, I regard plug power as being perhaps the, and I'm going to use the phrase, maybe I shouldn't be, the new diesel. Is it possible that hydrogen could be the new diesel?
4: I think, Jim, many people believe that. And again, I would go back to our customer base. You look at people like Amazon and Walmart who have sustainability goals for 2030 and 2040, looking to eliminate their trucks. And there's really only one way to do long distance hauling or anything over 125 miles, and that's using fuel cells. And from a cost competitive point of view, when I think about green hydrogen at $3 a kilogram, and a kilogram is about equivalent to $2 a gasoline to generate. um, You can see, you know, selling green hydrogen at six to seven dollars a kilogram and being very competitive with diesel fuel today.
3: Now, there are companies that are obviously making that bet because people may not realize that you have a very strong sales pipeline, even as it comes to 2024. Correct.
4: That is correct, Jim. And, you know, it's we have pedestal customers. You know, I mentioned Walmart and Amazon Home Depot, DHL and many
3: others. So what happens? When do we uh, do people realize that plug power is not speculative, but it is a company with a great book of business that is growing larger and larger. In the meantime, some of these big issues like what you're seeing behind you, a plug power truck, are going to be reality in our lifetime.
4: Well, Jim, you know, I I grew up in the wireless industry, believe it or not. And I spent 10, 12 years before that market took off. And I actually believe the time for hydrogen is today. It reminds me of sitting around a table in 1994,
3: 1995 in the wireless industry. Well, that was when you realized that if you bought any one of them, you made a ton of money because the consolidation yep. was occurring. You had to be in one.
4: Absolutely, Jim. And uh, you know, the hydrogen industry is just beginning. And you know, I think is you know it's not only... Uh, thinking about Biden's policy, but it's thinking about uh, our consumers' policies, our customers' policies. That's really what's driving the growth today, and government policies can just make it even better.
3: Um, Any chance that we're going to fall behind China, which I know is doing uh, hydrogen buses right now as we speak?
4: I don't think so. I think there's certain dynamics which, first, the generation of fuel really needs from a competitive point of view, needs to happen here Mm -hmm. and when you leverage low-cost renewables i don't believe in the generation of fuels china will match us and from technology point of view quite honestly they're years and years behind and this is much different than the solar industry where it's easy to come up with solar panels in nine months as you remember how that market Mm -hmm. changed but uh fuel cells are a lot lot different as you know i'm a technologist
0: right and
4: uh You know, the complexity just isn't easy for the Chinese to match.
3: Excellent. I'm not not afraid of the competition. I'm ready for it. All right. Bring it on. Thank you so much (laughs) for everything you've done, Andy Marsh, presidency on Plug Power. Great to see you, sir. Great to see you, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Mayor Money's back after the break.
1: Looking for a rewarding, life-changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? With almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise, dedicated to shaving brighter futures for our students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., and our proven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference, pursue your dreams of business ownership, and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today.
3: Now that COVID cases are hitting new highs again and the market's rolling over, let's talk about the temporarily interrupted bull market in transports. Now, we've seen some big moves in FedEx and United Parcel. We're going to speak to UPS on Wednesday, by the way, both of which have been making a killing thanks to the pandemic. When you can't go out to shop, there's a lot more business for everyone in freight. But this bull market is bigger than them. It extends to the truckers and more importantly, the rails. Oh, the board. Going into earnings season, the big four railroad stocks were all up double digits for the year, trading at all-time highs. That's quite bullish for the economy, for the market, whatever. Even before today's shellacking, though, there was something a little off with the railroad stocks. In the past two weeks, we've gotten a pair of wildly divergent earnings reports. There's Kansas City Southern, the smallest of the major publicly traded rails, delivered a really nice beat, while Union Pacific, the largest, I think arguably best run, long one of our faves. Failed to live up to expectations. Now, coming into earnings season, we had zero reason to doubt Union Pacific. It's got the best, most lucrative routes, taking all kinds of merchandise from ports of the West Coast to the rest of the country. They've got the most scale. They've been working on a major precision railroading initiative that's making the company far more efficient. CEO Lance Fritz has a terrific track record. We're complete believers in Lance. The last time we spoke to him in September, I wow, great story. So what the heck happened then? Well, a few weeks ago, Norfolk Southern pre-announced some excellent results. Then last Friday before uh, Kansas City Southern kicks off railroad uh, earnings season with some robust numbers. While the revenues came in a tiny bit late, down 12% year over year, the earnings were solidly better than expected. On top of that, management formally reinstated its full year forecast, told you earnings would be up year over year. People love that. Oh, and, and they threw in a $500 million accelerated buyback for good measure. How did the stock do? Well, how would it do it? Well, it's interesting. Once again, Kansas City Southern used this thing called precision railroading. That's management's efforts to make the company more efficient, more nimble, and they're paying off. In response to it, the stock actually got dinged for 3% before making a comeback. Although after today's beating, that comeback's been reversed. The problem, even with a strong quarter, the expectations going in were just very high. Still, the numbers were good. Then CSX reported last Wednesday, and once again, they gave you a nice earnings beat coupled with a big buyback announcement like Kansas City Southern. Long story short, going into Union Pacific's earnings, we had heard positive things from the other three big publicly traded rails. Then Union Pacific, the one we considered best of breed, disappointed. Are bad? You can say that. Union Pacific also gave you a small revenue miss, down 11% year-over-year. But unlike the other rails, the earnings came in weaker than expected, 201 to Wall Street 1 206. That is disappointing. While well, we heard a lot about improvements from precision railroading, faster freight car velocity, longer train lengths, higher workforce produ- productivity, reliability, we had just gotten some bad news on this front, too. Jim Vanna, he was Union Pacific's chief operating officer, he'll be moving to a new senior advisor role at the end of the year. He's a key precision railroading guy. Sparge from the COO job coupled with a not so hot quarter, made investors' feel that maybe the initiative is losing its momentum? Maybe they've lost their way somewhat? Making matters worse, Union Pacific didn't give you much in the way of guidance. That was not encouraging. In response, the stock plunged, uh, uh, geez, 12 points, uh, 6% last Thursday, recovered a little bit on Friday, and then plunged another 2% today. So what's going on here? How did the best-run railroad drop the ball? Let's start with a simplest explanation expectations got out of hand, not their fault. We'd already heard good things from the other three rails and even putting that to the, to the side. As the one with the most scale, U.S. was generally regarded to, be, to deliver the cleanest, best results. The bar simply higher for them. Uh, They don't have a lot of coal. People like that. Plus, there was a widespread sense that these guys would recover the fastest because of that exposure to the West Coast ports. Remember, they're jam-packed again thanks to the booming Chinese economy. So this is the railroad that's most levered to the turn in China. That said, it's not just about the expectations game. The whole industry faces revenue pressure right now. But the others still managed to hit their earnings targets thanks to this precision railroading phenomena. Even CSX, which has tons of exposure to dying coal businesses. Union Pacific, on the other hand, legitimately missed the earnings estimates. We could get into the nitty-gritty here. There was a decline in energy-related commodities and a surge in lower-margin intermodal traffic. But everybody had that problem. What's different about Union Pacific? Okay, the big fear is that it's all about the type of operating, operating improvement that has brought big gains to the bottom line without any real revenue bump. Like the other rails, Union Pacific has made itself a fortune in the past couple of years by adopting these new methods that improve efficiency. That's how these companies keep beating on earnings, even with, with weaker revenues. But there's only so much you can squeeze out of something like precision railroading. Sooner or later, what we now fear is you reach a point where you're as efficient as you're going to get. When it comes to Union Pacific, Wall Street's now worried that they're as efficient as they're going to get. And once the gains from precision railroading are mostly in the rearview mirror, well, then you've got a story of revenues that are not that good and earnings that are not that good. Now, the other rails came up with new narratives to replace the old one. For, for example, CXS gave you a massive new $5 billion buyback. Kansas City Southern reinstated that guidance and hit you with the $500 million accelerated revenue buyback. Still pretty impressive given that this is the smallest railroad. I still think Union Pacific is a great company. I'm not changing my view, but I do think the stock's now in need of a catalyst. Even if the bears are wrong about the precision railroading story running out of steam right now, well, it's, it's still got a limited shelf life. So here's an idea. I've been thinking. How about if Union Pacific buys KSU, all right, which just arguably reported the best quarter of the group? Union Pacific can absolutely afford it. And in the last few weeks, we've heard that K, uh, KSU might be entertaining takeout offers from private equity firms. Oh, come on. Union Pacific's better. KSU's routes are adjacent to theirs. They have the United, States, the United States west of the Mississippi, coupled with some really great routes in Mexico. More importantly, uh, Kansas City was among the last of the rails to adopt Precision Railroad, meaning that story is much less played out for them. There's lots of room for efficiency, and I bet that a, a price could be arrived at that's not too diluted beyond the first year. Could this deal pass muster at antitrust? I think so. We've got five major railroads right now, the four publicly traded ones in Burlington Northern, subsidiary of Berkshire Hathaway. Union Pacific snapping up Kansas City Southern would be a five to four deal. And those tend to be doable. The antitrust department tends not to be uh, frowning on those. Supposedly, they didn't want to sell at $20 billion. So I think Union Pacific would have to pay, say, $21 billion or $225 a share before it starts getting too expensive, hurting their stock. Honestly, they could maybe go up to $24 billion. That's uh, stretching a bit. The bottom line, Union Pacific's getting hammered here in the wake of a not-so-hot quarter, not to mention a huge spike in COVID cases. As the precision railroading story winds down, they need to give you a new catalyst. Rather than continue to buy back huge slugs of stock like CSX, I think Union Pacific should just reach out and acquire Kansas City Southern. That would make me want to buy this one hand over fist, especially if it keeps coming down. And hey, I'll even waive my investment banking fee. Either way, if Union Pacific continues to fall, it might be a buy anyway. Are you in Pennsylvania? Are you? Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. JetBlue rallied last week on the expectation the payroll for the float program would get expanded, as well as we had intended
4: to deal with the Transport Workers Union. The option implied move for earnings is around 10%. Despite dismal revenues and cash growing across the board, JetBlue stock has outperformed the big three airlines this year. You expect that strength to continue.
3: No, I actually think that Southwest is the right one. I interviewed Gary Kelly last week. The stock was up two then. It just gave up buck sixty nine, but it didn't give up all its gains. So what does that tell you? It tells you that I think that one is terrific. I have to love FlyJet Blue. Don't get on Southwest very much, but I think Southwest is a great airline. Let's go to Dave in Florida, please. Dave. Hey, Jim.
4: I bought uh, Winnebago in July after hearing your segment on the great outdoor stocks because mm-hmm. RV sales have been hot. But it's gone down 24% since I bought it, and the company just reported great earnings last week, but the stock price plummeted after they mentioned a the supply chain issue in the, in the call. And I'm already worried about the impact of a blue wave on, on the election could have on the market, but I, but I still love this company. And I well, you, what you should. I, I mean, do. there was an
3: absolutely fantastic piece by City today. I, I am partial to this group. You know, I like four, and uh, I also like Brunswick. By the way, is these things that you do with, uh, you know, what can you do with COVID? And uh, Winnebago was uh, rated a buy by City, and I thought it basically was the right call, which is to say, okay, it's down enough. Let's make a let's make a move here. So I think you're fine. If anything, I'd be a buyer of more. Okay, there's been something a little off the railroad stocks. So here's the idea: we want Union Pacific to merge with ksu for a brand new catalyst because boy i would make me want to buy this one hand over fist uh there's much more have money ahead including my sit down with american Electric power what impact could the upcoming election have on the company i've got the exclusive after earnings then as more people swap suits for sweatpants i'm going to tell you how to play the leisureization of apparel and all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the lightning round so stay with kramer On a day when the averages got pulverized, you know what managed to rally? The safety stocks, the ones that work if the latest COVID spike, sends parts of the country back into partial lockdown. When it seemed like the pandemic was relatively under control and the economy was roaring, nobody had any interest in, say, the utilities. Now, though, look at Kramer Fave, American Electric Power, which is the top power distribution network in the country, along with some big power generation assets. The darn thing closed up nearly 2% today, nearly as much as it rallied last Thursday after the uh, company reported a very solid quarter. Plus, it doesn't hurt that AEP is planning to buy a solar energy park in its hometown of Columbus, Ohio. Renewables could get very hot if Biden wins next week. Even up here, the stock still gives you a bountiful 3.16% yield, much better than the 10-year. So can this thing maintain its momentum? Let's check in with Nick Aikens, the chairman, president, and CEO of American electric power. Get a better sense of the quarter and this new solar opportunity. Mr. Rankins, welcome back to Man Money.
0: Thank you, Jim. Good to be with you
3: again. All right, so, Nick, people uh, are, since they've been watching this show, are, have a triple, okay? In uh, yep. you and my talking to each other, and congratulations. And I think that one of the reasons is, is consistency. And I think there are a lot of people, Nick, who just, just as a change of pace don't understand why American electric power can be consistent. So can you just describe to those who have never understood this business why you and I had faith that this stock was going to go this high?
0: Oh, sure, Jim. You know, what we do, obviously, we're investing in infrastructure needed for resiliency and reliability to serve our customers. So regardless of what's going on with the economy, we have to adjust to it. We continue with our capital program. We continue to invest capital. Uh, we're the la- most capital-intensive industry in, in, the, in the U.S., and certainly we continue that approach. But obviously we adjust whenever there's changes relative f- to, um, to the economy itself. And In this case, though, we have sort of a, a, a compensation going on between... Our residential load, which is increasing because of the stay-at-home environment, versus industrial and commercial, which have lagged because of the economy. They're making their way back, and certainly residential is coming down at the same time, And but we're still, from a positive financial standpoint, continuing to, to focus on that, along with cost savings to ensure that we remain consistent.
3: Well, at the same time, I mean, you did give a very rosy outlook. I mean, residential, good. Commercial sales, good. Uh, these were rather... Uh, uh, given the fact that the economy is supposed to be so bad, these are rather uh, uh, magnificent uh, upward revisions that you gave.
0: Yeah, so we, we, we really wound up with commercial continues to lag uh, about 5% off of last year. Mm-hmm. And that's where the churches, restaurants, hotels, and the like are certainly continuing with that impact. Industrials have continued to come up. Albeit in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, we expect a little bit of slowing, but everyone is saying we we expect 2021 to continue to improve markedly. So as people get back to work in those environments, uh, the the, uh, residential load will come down, but it's still very positive.
3: Well, I know that uh, it's difficult to try to figure out the impact of COVID. Now, you have... Uh, in your deck, you have a 2020 financial outlook. You say items that would negatively impact management's view, delayed economic recovery, understood, but resurgence of coronavirus infections that disrupt service territory economy. Now, that's got to be a worry for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want the economy to continue to come back, and actually, to have another shutdown of the economy would would be disastrous for this country. But at the same time, as as that progress is made and facilities to come back into place and they're running... Uh, it certainly helps from that perspective, and then I think there's going to be a continuing uh, work from home environment that will continue to endure even even in the future. But certainly, we want that uh, for COVID to get behind us, where the overall economy is picking up at the same time. Okay. Now,
3: uh, there are many people who watch the show who are uh, more uh, consider more uh, more important than anything the environment, of which then they mm-hmm. say is electric vehicles and also hydrogen fuels. Uh, where are we in terms of, 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 of those trends? Uh, Ed, I know that you're a big believer in renewables, but ha- are those realistic or are those 2030, 20, 2040 20, before they're a- adopted on this?
0: It's, re- it's realistic if you understand what each part plays in the, in the role of providing electricity, because we have the 24-7 supplies of, of re- it's, it's natural gas, coal, mm-hmm. nuclear That provides demand, the abilities to serve demand, at times where you have peak demands on the system, in the dead of winter or in the hot summer. But, of course, renewables plays a part in the energy mix to enable, really, a a carbon-free type of resource, and that's continuing to grow, and it's becoming more economical to do it. So, as we move forward, you're going to see more renewables, more um, solar, wind, and, and storage come into play in certain applications, and that will continue to augment the supply that exists today. So that transition will continue. Now, the aggressiveness at which you move in that, that uh, arrangement will be uh, certainly uh, a focus on, uh, for our future as we look at what our customers can, can actually right. endure in terms of uh, increases and so forth uh, as we make that transition. So we'll have to do it in a very moderate, credible okay. way.
3: And uh, one last question. Do you feel you have been, at, I've been through a lot of different administrations with you. I know you are just trying to do what's right. Um, it, 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 would a Biden administration make your life easier or harder versus the Trump administration? <laughs> we,
0: we have 114 year years of managing between the goalposts uh, from that perspective. So uh, we'll continue moving toward a clean energy economy. We'll continue to focus on our customers and our shareholders expect us to move in that direction and de-risk our company going forward from that, that perspective. And we'll continue that approach. If a Biden administration comes in, we certainly expect more aggressiveness in terms of the targets, but we're already moving forward very quickly, and, and we'll continue to focus on that as we move forward. So there's no question that that, that no matter what happens, whatever administration is in place, we will continue moving forward with that clean energy economy.
3: Excellent. I want to thank so much Nick Aikens, American Electric Power Chairman, President and CEO. Once again, great quarter, amazing stock, sir. Good to see you. Thank you, Joe. We money to be back at the next break. It is time! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Let's the lightning round. Let's start with Johanna in Maine. Johanna. Hey, Jim. Um, longtime listener, first time caller here. I thank you. I want to say thank you. Yeah. I want to say thank you to you and your staff. You guys always put on a very entertaining and helpful show. I watch you every day. We do have a great staff. Thank you. So that being said, I'll get right to it. I was wondering, what are your thoughts on Focused Financial Partners? Very good. Very good. A little more expensive than Morgan Stanley, which is the one that I prefer if you're going to be in that wealth management business. Morgan Stanley sells at eight times earnings, so almost 3% yield run by the great James Corman. So that's the one I would go with. Let's go to Luke in Texas. Luke. Booyah! Booyah! Long-time listener, first-time caller. How are you doing, Jim? I am good. How about you? I'm doing good. I just want to know about the... Back, Tillman Fertitta owns LCA. I'm it's never going to go against the great Tillman Fertitta. That guy has more horse sense than anybody who comes on air. I find him a total joy when he comes on. I learn something every time, so I'm willing to go with him, not against him. Let's go to Dana in Washington. Dana, booyah, Jim from Seattle. Nice. Wanted to uh, get your insight on the Lordstown motor. Oh I- man, yeah. Okay, so Lordstown's total momentum. Okay, uh, we had Fisker on. Right? We had Fisker. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite Lordstown on. Rather than opine on it, because I opined on Fisker, and then I learned a lot more, and I still feel I feel better about it. I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Lordstown, we're ready for you. How about we go to Ryan in Massachusetts? Ryan. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Um, I just want to know what you think about American Airlines. uh, airlines. Look, it's $11 stock, so people like that over owning a $40 stock like uh, Gary Kelly Southwest. But I am partial to LUV because it doesn't lose money, and it's been uh, such a great long-term stock. Let's go to Al in Michigan. Al. Jimmy Chill, It's a pleasure to talk to you. I love the energy, love the enthusiasm. I wish I could vote for you next week. Well, thank you. Hey, uh, my question is Raytheon. I got a big option position expiring in January, and I'm wondering if I'm going to get some movement there. Oh, man. You know, that's a... Look, here's... See, I can only opine long-term about Raytheon because that has to be Greg Hayes' company. And I think he's doing a good job, and it's under a little bit of pressure because the Chinese are saying, listen, if you're going to provide uh, any sort of weapons or munitions for Taiwan, then we're not going to use you, whatever. I happen to think it's a good company. I think that you'll probably get a good quarter from Raytheon, I don't know if that'll do what you want in terms of options, but I think it'll be a good quarter, and it'll be a good year for them. Let's go to John in California. John.
2: Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. I'm calling about uh, Nordstrom, JWN, and I wanted to see what
4: uh, your thoughts are well, on Well, the Nordstrom. other
3: ones are starting to move. Like, Kohl's moved a little. Macy's moved a little. They they both seem to be embracing the leisureization. Uh, uh, Nordstrom is a tough one to own. It's a very, very tough stock to own, and... Uh, I I could see buying 13 as a spec. I can't believe I had to call a spec, but that's how I I view it. Let's go to Zach in Iowa. Zach! Hey there, Kramer. Hey, Zach. Hey, I'd like to give a quick thanks to you and your staff for everything you guys do. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you. The Uh, the question I have is in regard to HUYA, H-U-Y-A. They're going to be a... Yeah, I know that. I mean, look... uh, Uh, I have friends who are in that business, and I've got to tell you, I'm going to stick with American uh, uh, video. I'm not going to go uh, to China. These Chinese stocks, again, I like Alibaba, and you know, I like JD, by the way. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning
1: Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: Sometimes you have to look past a terrible day like today to think about the bargains it could be creating. You know we've got some powerful long-term bull market themes that should keep working, even with COVID cases spiking to new highs. Take the leisureization of apparel, a direct result of the pandemic. We're now in a moment where if you've got a white-collar job, Zoom has radically changed the dress code. Nobody cares what you're wearing below the waist as long as you're wearing something or you're very careful about where you point your camera. So how do you play the leisureization of apparel? How about jeans? When you're at home and nobody cares about your outfit, I mean, there's nothing more comfortable than jeans, right? Except sweats. Don't overthink it. You can buy Levi's or Contour. That's the denim spin-off from VF Corp. that makes Wrangler lick. Turns out they're both doing terrific for the moment. We recently spoke to Chip Burgess, the CEO of Levi's, and he said he was pretty explicit about the opportunity. To quote him, he said, quote, there has been a lot of talk about the rise of leisure, and everyone is walking around in yoga tights and loungewear, end quote. However, he added, denim, and I quote, is still bigger, and we define denim. I like that. We define denim. A little over a month ago, Levi Strauss was a $12 stock. Now it's a $16 stock. They're thriving right now because their digital business is on fire. So they don't need brick and mortar to be open necessarily. As Chip explained, COVID has compressed five to 10 years with the e-commerce growth into a matter of months. And then he also said that inventories are tight. So he's confident about a strong non-promotional holiday season. That's great news. So when I see this stock tumbling more than 3% today, along with the rest of the market, it makes me want to buy, not sell. Look, I don't want to be too ghoulish. But Levi's benefits from the pandemic. The more COVID cases, sadly, the longer you'll be stuck home working in, the, in your comfy jeans. Hey, then there's this Contour brand that I just mentioned. That, that's, that's quite a rare double upgrade from Bank of America. That means they went from sell, meaning get the hell out of it, to buy, meaning buy, buy, buy. Now, you've probably seen or worn their products, Lee and Wrangler. When I grew up, I was always wearing Lee jeans. This analyst raised estimates, boldly arguing that Wall Street's consensus numbers are too low because Contour's new distribution, including 2,000 additional Walmarts carrying Lee jeans, Walmart, Target, and Amazon are among their top partners. Can you beat that? While Contour had to suspend its dividend, which previously gave you an astounding 7% yield, Bank of America says there's a high likelihood the payout could be reinstated when the company reports. When? A Wednesday. Hey, there's a catalyst. That'd be huge. Meanwhile, they've got the gap, uh, and, and I don't want to recommend it just because of the gap itself, but because of a little division called Athleta, which is their Lululemon and Aqua. Turns out Athleta's not so little anymore. Last week, Deutsche Bank came out and said this division, which did one $1 billion in sales last year could do $2 billion in sales by 2023. How could it be so aggressive? Because the brand still has relatively low awareness, only 53% among active women, their core demographics. So when I see the Gap stock falling nearly 4% today, I think, yes, opportunity. Despite all their mall stores, we've seen that this is another pandemic leisureization winner. This COVID spike is a reason to buy Gap, not to sell it. Finally, there's the original Lululemon. This morning, Matthew Boss, the best retail analyst on Wall Street, at J.P. Morgan, raised his price target on Lulu and added it to the firm's focus list. Now, you might think this is one crazy thing to do on a real bad day. No, no, that's not how it works, people. This was brilliant. He knew it, Matt, knew it. Lulu, to did you get a chance to get in lower? Lulu practically invented visualization. This is what people are wearing while they're stuck at home. Keep in mind, if you haven't lost your job, you've got more pocket money to spend on goods like apparel because so many services are off the menu. Yes, in other words, you're willing to spend, I know their stuff costs a little more. I love their, you bet, everybody would love their stuff if it were just a little cheaper. Now, you can't go to the hair salon, might as well buy some comfy yoga, yoga pants. Although some hair salons are opening. I saw customers, it was pretty good. But because of the sale, and my barber's open again. I know, not a lot of work there. Uh, But because of the sell-off in the broader market, you're being given a rare chance to buy Lulu into weakness. Boss predicts 12.4% revenue growth, a stunning figure for apparel. Lots of upside for all the most uh, important lines. I wish it ended lower so you could have bought it cheaper. Down two bucks is about the most you get for this stock. That's about as big a discount as it comes. Remember, when we see a sale on Mad Money in an otherwise high-quality merchandise that is not being hurt by the main event that's knocking the market down, we don't run away from it. We run toward it. These leisureization stocks all benefit from spiking COVID cases, the very thing that sent their stocks lower today. Isn't that wrong? Time to start buying. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Hold it. Don't go anywhere. I'm joining the news with Shepard Smith, which starts now.
1: Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee Governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more